0: Good morning.
1: Nice to see you guys.
0: We're such a small group today. I love
1: it. Yeah, it's cozy. It's cozy. I would normally say like if you're new with us, but none of you are. I can actually see that. So anyway, uh, good morning. As you guys know, my name's Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, so this is going to be an interesting morning. We're, uh, this is our annual meeting morning. Uh, every year we take one Sunday to review the last year and then to look forward to what's coming this year. So, before you start thinking what I think if somebody's like, I wanna review 2020, right? What do you think? Like, can we not? Yeah, no thank you, right. But I'm gonna make you guys a promise, except for just right now, I'm not gonna use the following phrases, okay? In these unprecedented times. (laughs) Out of an abundance of caution. (laughs) New normal. Not going to do it. Or you're on mute, which is my favorite. <laughs> right? We've said that a lot. All right, so you guys all right? Did I trigger anybody? You're doing okay? All right, so what we're going to do is first, we're going to be uh, reviewing 2020 through uh, not the highly discussed kind of national narrative discussions that we've all been consumed by for the last year. But we're going to look at it through a different lens, through a community-focused, how we as a, as a community have responded to the year. It's going to be the most hopeful view of 2020 that I think you guys will have experienced. So is that okay? okay. with me? All right. So that's not to minimize what people have been through. I know that there's been a lot of pain in this room, um, but it is to say that there's, there's two sides to, to, the, to the year. Um, then Nate is going to uh, help us quickly understand our community's response Um, to the year in light of who we are, essentially like why we responded the way we did, right? Finally, we're gonna look forward uh, to some awesome stuff that's getting launched and happening right now in our midst. So we uh, compiled a fun video, Courtney did a great job on the video, I love it. So let's go ahead and uh, watch this quick video.
2: Hey friends. Hey there Emmaus Church. Just Hi. Hello Emmaus. We're so glad that... I wish that we could be together in the same place. We're gathering one time at 9am online. You friends, we miss you, and we'll see you tomorrow night. You should listen to the women. You remember this place at the theater. We're gonna
0: be
1: was fun for you. Those are like all memories of mine because they're like, on, they're like on my phone and Nate's phone. You know, we just went through the pictures and so and, and Angela's, but at any rate, um, hope that was fun. So often the two kind of big measurements for success, if you will, in a church are attendance and finances. Honestly, they're kind of unhelpful measurements in, in many, many ways because obviously you, you can't measure spiritual growth, right, for instance, in those two measurements. But we are going to um, look at those two because they can tell a story Um, it's it's pretty interesting when, when we look at the last year through that lens so okay barna did a big research study and they they discovered that one in three practicing christians have stopped participating in church completely in 2020. it's insane right now what's weird is that here at emmaus we were at about 330 on any given sunday a year ago in 2019. But in 2020, we're about 440. So we've actually increased in size relatively significantly. Right. So that's, that's amazing. But what's, what's even more interesting to me is that we can actually see when people are streaming online, like uh, where they drop off. A lot of churches are experiencing like a big bump in the beginning, and then they, they just kind of People just kind of leave. <laughs> and it, I think honestly, it's um, they're getting distracted by the latest uh, cat video on Facebook. You know, <whistles> cat videos. So, um, but see, you guys don't like cats apparently. So you're my people. So, um, but because you don't, you guys don't leave. You stick with it. And so the analytics show that you guys are like all the way through to the end. and this is this is like kind of like fruit, if you will, from the way I see it, that you guys are not just um, liking posts or attending an event, but you're actually participating. You're staying all the way through communion online, as well as worship at the end. So you're participating, you're entering in and becoming a, a part of the community, not just watching or spectator. Of an event, so uh, not only people are watching online and coming in person, but we've actually had twenty-three people commit to be members uh, at Emmaus in the last year. And This is in a year when we didn't even have a formal membership class, so um, it's 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 a big it's a large large number for us in our small church here. Um, Also, this year, um, at the very beginning of the shutdown, the lock lockdown orders and all that jazz, um, we um, launched our largest ever. Uh, discipleship uh, like program. It's called The Way of Life. Um, We did the Apostles' Creed. If you remember, there was 13 groups led 120 people through this discipleship program. And it was 12, what, 12, 14 weeks long. It was a long time frame that people committed to. And um, it's just... Big numbers, honestly. It was larger than we expected in terms of a response. We also uh, did the Way of Life too, which went through the Lord's Prayer, Uh, so Apostles' Creed and Lord's Prayer. In addition to that, we hosted our largest ever men's event and women's event in the middle of a pandemic, but we did, and it was awesome. Uh, They were they were great. Okay, so then now we're going to look through the lens of like, finance, the financial side and how it has enabled ministry to happen. So as a little bit of context, every year uh, the board that, that you guys, that we elect, um, sets the budget for the next year. Uh, last year, the budget was set at $548,000. That's what we projected or anticipated would come in in the way of giving. Um, but you guys actually gave $682,000. So, it's a significantly larger number. Yep, one more, there you go. Okay, so this, this is interesting because the, the year brought so many challenges, as you all know. Um, we, challenges were everywhere, but we, there were also opportunities to give. Um, we, as a community, gave away a whopping $234,544. It's a huge amount of money. It's almost a quarter of, it's almost a, quarter of a million dollars. Um, so in a year when uncertainty abounds, right? Hoarding is kind of a human-like response to that, or it can be. Think toilet paper, <laughs> April 2020. You guys remember that? Yeah. But you didn't do that. You didn't do that. Maybe you did, but you didn't do that here. <laughs> so here you gave. Um, And that's just, it's just amazing to me. It shows kind of where where we're at um, as a community. In addition to those funds, we also hired two full-time tutors um, to meet the educational challenges of 2020. Um, Courtney's gonna share a little bit more about that.
3: Hello.
4: Last summer, what everyone was talking about and everyone was asking was, what are we gonna do about school? The previous school year, people were online, and parents just weren't getting the answers from the school districts. So flashback to a Tuesday in July. Nate, Rich, and I were in the office, and we were discussing and just recognizing this education crisis that we were seeing going on around us. Um, So we spent the rest of the day developing this new initiative called the Emmaus Education Co-op, And that day, Evan Campbell and I were both hired to be the two Emmaus tutors. We were gonna work with the students from Emmaus in little groups in their homes and provide academic support and just a chance to see their friends not on a computer screen. Um, And this was one of my favorite days of 2020. It felt like we were finally able to provide people something. We weren't just knocking another thing off their calendar, canceling an event, Um, but we were able to give a solution and we feel like it was a good solution. We were proud of it. Um, we launched the second week in August, or the second week of school. At the end of August, we spent um, the few weeks in between um, onboarding the parents and the kids, creating our pods and the schedule. We met with kids from kindergarten to seniors in high school, oftentimes in the same day. <laughs> Took a lot of energy, um, but it was really fun. And this continued through the fall semester as schools were opening up. And. Myself and Ryan Beidler and Rich, I think we really like numbers, but I think you guys are going to like these even if you're weird and you hate math. But for the Amaze Education Co-op, we had seven pods and the kids were grouped in similar age groups. We had 16 sessions a week, over 30 students participating, and over 250 tutoring hours were offered through this. Yeah, thank you. About a month in, we kind of reassessed our capacity um, and just this was working, it was successful. So we took this model and we applied it to the issue in the greater community in Lincoln and we launched Foundry Tutors. So Evan and I were in the Foundry five days a week and we were offering totally free one-on-one tutoring to anybody, any students in Lincoln in the greater area that wanted it. Um, Teachers were facing restrictions that we weren't. They couldn't meet with kids in person and there's only so much that the kids can retain from Zoom. Um, And Angela and Rich actually met with some members of the local school board, school district board members, um, and they endorsed us. The teachers were calling us. They were sending their kids our way, and they still are. It's really awesome that we've been able to partner that way. Yeah, thanks. So thanks to your guys' faithful giving through 2020, we were able to minister to these kids through tutoring. Some of these kids are coming to our youth groups now. We were able to have conversations with them about their goals and their dreams, their future, about Jesus, and just really touch these kids' lives. The average tutor in Placer County goes for over $40 an hour, and that is not an option for a lot of families here in Lincoln. So this was just a great way to help these kids succeed and to give these families some support through this. For the foundry tutors, we had two paid tutors. It was Evan and I. We did have some other volunteers step up to assist us. We had 103 tutoring sessions. That's just the one-on-one scheduled appointments. That doesn't include any walk-ins or helping the kids that are just naturally in the center. And 273 of the one-on-one tutoring hours were held through the fall. So thank you for your guys' support and allowing us to uh, do these awesome things.
1: All right, another creative way that we tried to meet some of the challenges of 2020 was to develop a program called Lincoln Delivers. Uh, we knew that restaurants were going to get hammered uh, in, the, in the lockdowns and uh, a bunch of different um, restaurants were not comfortable with f- figuring out delivery and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we were able to help develop a program where they got onto DoorDash so that they could actually get their food in the hands of customers. Um, but the big challenge was that DoorDash takes 25% of the ticket. Yeah, it's huge. So that, um, as a restaurant, that's your margin, it's gone. Um, so, the, so they weren't able to make a profit and still do that. Um, so basically what we did is instead of developing the infrastructure of delivery, free delivery, uh, which would take a huge amount of work and insurance and all the different kinds of problems, um, we just utilized the DoorDash platform but then paid that 25% right back to the restaurant. It enabled them to then remain open, uh, keep their people employed, and keep us fat. It's fantastic. So that, is, that, was the, that was the program. And so um, to date, we've given away $42,300 through Lincoln Delivers. Uh, it's a huge amount of money, and we're still, we're still doing it. And we'll continue to as long as there are restrictions on the restaurants. And so uh, we're going to we created a little video from the um, restaurant a couple three of the restaurant owners. There's more uh, saying thank you.
2: In the early months of the pandemic, spring of 2020, when local restaurants, especially, were having to figure out how to do business with whole only set of restrictions, there was a group of us from town who got together to try to just make a difference in some way economically. We talked about several opportunities, several ideas that we could pursue and we realized that though we couldn't eat in the local restaurants, restaurants were still being able to do business but they had to use these third-party delivery services. The problem with that was that these third-party delivery services were charging 30%, basically taking the entire profit uh, away from the cafes. And so uh, we started a plan that was just very simple. We just were gonna pay for the delivery fees. The program is called Lincoln Delivers, and it really is that simple.
0: Lincoln Delivers helped us out a lot. We have about 75% of our business coming in through DoorDash. And with your support, we were able to pull through. About 10 to 20% of our business is through DoorDash a day,
3: you know, some days even more. And without the help that we've been receiving, um, we wouldn't be making any profit. You know, be keeping customers but no money coming through the door, which which has obviously been a big part of keeping our doors open. Yeah, thank you guys so much for your support and anything you can do is, is great. We really appreciate it.
4: Really, I want to say
0: from the bottom of my heart, Thank you to all the people of the Lincoln and of course the church. This idea is a very good idea to keep our business going on and other businesses too.
2: So if you're looking for a practical way to make an impact locally, I hope you'll consider participating in Lincoln Delivers and let's continue to keep these restaurants thriving.
1: All right. Did you hear that from Maria at Tres Hermanos? 75% of her business is now through DoorDash, and, 20, and, and we're reimbursing 25% of that. There's just no way that they would have been able to operate off of 25% of their business, right? So, um, so anyway, it just made, make, makes a huge difference. Next, we're going to talk about like, the pastoral care side of Emmaus and give a little report on what's happened um, in 2020.
3: So Rich already shared about your generosity and how you didn't hoard your resources, you didn't hoard your money, which is remarkable and amazing. But I also want to say that I've seen this happen with your time as well. You guys have given your time. I'm not even going to talk about it, but we've had so many hours at the foundry where you've given time, at the salt mine across the street where you've given time, where you've made meals. I wish I knew how many meals we delivered to one another in this season, but it's been a lot. Um, in this season, I just have thought a lot about There's a quote by the Apostle Paul that talks about being hard-pressed on all sides, but not crushed. And I've got to tell you, there's times where I'm like, hmm, feeling a little almost crushed today. But then I would hear a story, or one of you would reach out to me, or you would say something like, how can I help? Does a family need money? Is there something I can do? And it just was that hope. It was that reminder that we are not crushed. Um, I know that I don't even need to say this. 2020, in the spring, we changed. Everything changed for us. Parents suddenly had their kids home. We were suddenly working. Families that were already way too busy became even busier. Our kids lost so many things. There was fear. There was this idea of we don't know what's coming next. Yet in the midst of all this, in the midst of being hard-pressed on all sides, you chose to reach out and say, what can I do for someone else? Families in our community asked, what can we do? We want to serve. Our kids want to serve. And meanwhile, at the same time, a lot of our older folks who suddenly were now forced to stay at home, many couldn't even buy their own groceries. You remember this. It was so intense, especially at the beginning. And a lot of them lived alone. And that's when we thought, let's get creative. Let's connect these families with little kids with this group of people who are older, some of them living um, by themselves and specifically care for them. So that's what we did. We assigned 28 people in Emmaus with a family. Um, it was just so incredible. These kids who were uprooted and anxious um, were actually able to serve. They were actually able to make art, deliver cookies, write letters, all of these things. They got to look outward instead of inward. So 10 months later, I asked these families about this experience. I asked them, why in the midst of such a hard time did you choose to serve? Why did you rally your family and go ahead and go out and serve others? And I had some um, great answers. One person said, I was grateful to have something to do that wasn't focused on negativity or fear. Someone said, it was a chance for us to model Jesus in a hard time. Someone else said, because we can. I didn't want anyone in our community to feel forgotten, so I wanted to do something to contribute. And then I asked, so what did you learn? And here's were some of the responses. Serving others with kids is not the most efficient thing to do. <laughs> Serving others without kids is still not the most efficient thing to do. It's a messy, but we were doing it. It took a lot of time. Small gestures meant a lot. People in this community met other people in this community that despite going to church with them for years they never knew before and real relationships have been formed. It made the family feel just as connected as it did the recipient. It reinforced to our kids what community and what the church is really about. Our kids began to care about the people we served and we began to hear them pray for them by name in the evening. Our kids continue to ask about them. And this last one was, we want this to be a more consistent part of our lives in every season. And that really resonated with me. This idea that what this pandemic, which was served as kind of a catalyst for us, but really pushed us this idea that we need to do this even more. We need to continue to love one another. Um, In April, we realized why we were separated, we need to find new ways to connect. And it was as simple as going through and calling people, writing letters, writing emails. And the more we did it, the more our hearts were stirred. So uh, 2021, that's something else we're going to really want to push into. Loving each other better, caring for each other better, prioritizing this type of pastoral care is one of our core ministries at Emmaus. So as we close with everything going on, I wanted to share about some families who mean so much to us but have now relocated to different parts of the country in 2020. Pat Coons is now in Idaho. Anglin Baker is now in Southern California. The Pals are in Colorado. The Georges are in Washington. And the Martinezes are now in Texas. We really miss their faces, but we also know that some of them, thanks to Livestream, are still with us. So, we miss you guys, and we're so glad you're still with us. Um, we love them, and they have been such a part of the stability that we have. The other part of 2020 has been the real loss of some of the people we love so much who are now in the presence of Jesus. This year, we grieved the loss of Bob Coons, Jim Allen, Rilla Sumner, Steve Fraga, Jeanette Hernandez, and Francis Thompson. Part of who we are is because of those people who are part of our community. I'd like to just take a few moments and pray for them, or pray for us. Dear Father, thank you for our community. We thank you for the love that is prevalent at Emmaus. And today we also want to thank you for those who have been part of our community and who are now in your presence. Thank you for the way that you've used these lives to shape our community. Please continue to give peace to those who grieve for them. God, we are grateful that we are changed for the better because of these saints who've gone before us. In your precious name I pray, amen.
2: So why is the question? Why was 2020 such a fruitful year for our community? Why in a year that most of us will remember as difficult, as disappointing, as painful, as lonely, as divisive, why in this year where we limited so many of the things that we do, we canceled so much of what we typically do as a church community, why didn't our church just fall apart? Why did we, and not just Emmaus, but several other churches, why did we actually emerge out of 2020 stronger in some ways than we were before? There's a sense in which asking those kinds of questions is like asking, how does a tree produce an orange? It's like there's a certain degree of mystery that just goes along with it. I don't think we can reduce any life to a formula. But neither should we ignore what Jesus said about how growth happens and what results from that growth. So if you were to ask me why, or to explain why 2020 was not just a good year, but why it was an especially fruitful year for Emmaus, based on the teachings of Jesus, I would say this. Friends, we are experiencing the fruit of stability. That's what's happening. We're experiencing the fruit of stability. We're like a tree with deep roots, which is strong enough not just to weather the storms of winter, but to emerge in the spring bearing new fruit. Here's what Jesus says to his followers in John chapter 15. He says, "'I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. "'He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, "'while every branch that does bear fruit, "'he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful.'" You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers, such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So let's walk through this really quickly. Notice this. What is the goal of this teaching of Jesus to his disciples? What does he want to happen? He wants them to bear much fruit, right? And then what is the threat against that? What is the adversity that they may... What is the bad thing that might happen? You might get cut off, right? And then what would be the reason for getting cut off? Why would the branch get cut off of the vine? Because it doesn't bear fruit, right? It bears no fruit. So bearing fruit is not just the goal. It's the requirement. It's essential. It's expected, And yet the one thing that Jesus actually says that his disciples need to do, the only one thing, the actual instruction is this, and it's such a clear call because Jesus reiterates it several times. This is the instruction, remain in me. That whole vine and branches parable, there's only one thing that the disciples are actually told to do, and that is to remain in me. According to the metaphorical language, the imperative is simply stay connected to the vine. And so the conclusion of Jesus' teaching, which might startle us if we're influenced by spiritual subcultures, which prioritize new and exciting and innovative and dramatic and attractive, the the conclusion of Christ's teaching is this, staying results in being fruitful. The good things that we're experiencing as a community are the fruit of stability This is just what happens. This is what we should expect because that's the way it's designed. When the the branch stays connected to the vine, the natural thing to happen is for fruit to emerge. Fruit is the result of a sustained connection. Fruit comes from trees that stay planted and don't transplant all of the time. So the only work that the branch or the person or the community has to do is remain connected to the vine. So Jesus might summarize this teaching today by saying this, you work on stability and I'll take care of productivity. Okay, your job is to stay connected to me and I will bring fruit through you Into the world. So, friends, here we are. We're almost 16 years old as a community. Our roots are growing deep into this clay soil in Lincoln, California, and it's soil that's been plowed by those who have faithfully gone before us. And our community is bearing fruit. We're telling story after story of how this small church is making a difference in the lives of real people. We're living in a profoundly challenging time when worldwide brokenness disrupts institutional structures and dismantles cultural assumptions. Everybody's aware of the problems. Few are offering compelling solutions. The church need not run frantically into the chaos of the crowd, nor do we need to cower in fear in the corner. We, our movement, what we do, how we spend our money, our time, our resources can and must be more purposeful than that. We must stay connected to the vine so that we know what to do and so that we have the power to do it and to do it well. Friends, our rootedness is what we bring to the table. Okay. Our stability as a church, as a part of this greater city, our stability is the much-needed method of healing that we offer to a culture that has been destabilized in so many ways. Schools are breaking down. Well, we're here providing tutoring, right? Businesses are breaking down. We can be a stabilizing presence even as an economic support of restaurants. Our stability is what we bring to the table. Last thought, friends, the church of Jesus, the church that Christ and the apostles started, it's the most resilient movement in the history of the world. It is the most resilient movement in the history of the world. And not only that, the Christian church, when it is connected to Christ, when it's faithfully holding on to the vine, it's the most fruitful movement in the history of the world. And you have stayed. You have remained. You have held on to Jesus as he has held on to you. You have abided. You have found your home in Christ. And as you have worked on stability, Jesus has brought the productivity To the glory of the Father, we are experiencing the fruit of stability. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this next week, let me point forward to one thing. On Wednesday is our Ash Wednesday gathering. This is the gathering that traditionally kicks off the season of Lent. And I want to invite you to embrace this because this is kind of what we're talking about. When we embrace stability, we're embracing in part the historic movements of the church, the traditions of the church we 're embracing the the story that we tell every year about the love of Christ, his death for the sin of the world, his resurrection on Easter, so we want to practice this, practice and rehearse this staying abiding kind of following of Jesus. Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. It begins this season called Lent, which essentially is a time of fasting that prepares us for the biggest feast of the Christian year, the biggest celebration, which is Easter morning. It's the day of the resurrection. So my encouragement to us is let's just continue to send our roots deep. Let's continue to tell the story. Let's continue to practice um, the teachings of the church. Let's continue to be a, a, a personification of stability, trusting that God will bring, bring the fruit of healing. He'll bring the fruit of joy. He'll bring the fruit of restoration of all things as we stay connected to him. Amen? Amen. Let's ask for his help. Lord, we look to you both in celebration and with um, a need, Lord, for continued energy, strength, and wisdom as we root our lives in you. God, thank you for this church community. Empower us with wisdom, power to make an effective impact on this town and the towns around it. Lord, we look to you for help, and we thank you and give you all
0: the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.